2: Hello and welcome to Spartan Speak, a podcast from the Lansing State Journal and Detroit Free Press focused on Michigan State sports. I'm Phil Friend, your host and sports writer for the LSJ, joined by free writer Chris Solari and LSJ sports columnist Graham Couch. Well, guys, when the news broke late last night that Michigan State and Virginia, the basketball game would be postponed due to COVID-19 issues within the Cavalier program, some of us were doing various things. Some of us were sound asleep. Some of us were living our best lives, playing FIFA on Xbox. Some of us were sitting on our couch with food and whiskey in hand, watching television. And unfortunately, for one of us in this world, we were—they were driving across the Ohio Turnpike on their way to Charlottesville, Virginia, for this game. So my sympathies are with you, Chris, in all of this. Yeah.
0: Us. <laughs> well, you know, when you when you've traveled as much as I have, you come to expect the unexpected in your in your plans. So. Um, Not a surprise in that respect that there was some sort of disruption to my travel, but maybe a little bit that this game was canceled in the manner in which it was canceled after Michigan State actually flew to Charlottesville. I think they arrived around a little after seven um, and about four hours later found out that, nope, you're going to be getting back on a plane tomorrow morning and not playing a game tomorrow night. So I don't know. I mean this is this is the reality of what we're dealing with uh, as these colleges and universities continue to try and play sports in this. I mean it, this is different than than the situation that that we saw with with uh, Clemson and Florida State because Michigan State wasn't the one with the positive cases. It was the host school and the fact that the host school didn't have its testing done uh, before Michigan State got on that plane is problematic, Graham. I, I think that this is this is going to be a test case moving forward that that people are going to look at and say you got to have this done if we're going to try and do this. But of course, this is almost all done anyways, and we're almost at the conference schedule.
1: Well, do we know when their testing was yet? I mean, they may have done that testing uh, in the morning and just something didn't come back yet or whatever. I don't. I don't know that we know. Do we know well, when their testing was done? We,
0: Regardless, they didn't get their results back until after Michigan State got there. And that, that, I mean, my point is that needs to be in hand and before a team gets on a flight. I mean, that should have been, that should have been known by mid-afternoon. If you're going to send, if you're going to send these kids halfway across the country in a plane, go into a hotel environment, you know, when we're talking about, uh, community spread, you know, the, the community spread isn't necessarily about the basketball courts. It's about the hotels. It's about the airports. It's about the to and fro type places that, you know, that, that a lot of state governments have restricted or tried to limit, uh, the ins and outs. Um, you know, that's, I mean, that, that, that's, there's gotta be something, but this is, it, to me, this comes down to the fact that the ACC is testing differently than the big 10. I mean, if you have standard protocols across the board in the NCAA, this doesn't happen.
1: Yeah, and I'm not exactly sure what the ACC is. Um, what the, it is unfortunate they, they got there and it was it was canceled because ideally, we're going to have a lot of these, and um, ideally it's done before travel is completed and, and teams can just stay put. Um, because I mean, frankly, when it, it just doesn't take more than a player uh, and the contact tracing that revolves around that, it's, it's we're gonna. I mean, I, I would I, if I had to guess, I would say if if the college basketball plows through this that um, every big Ten team has in the big Ten season, I don't know four games at least postponed. Um, and, and that's look that's this is the system working too. like it, it, the timing was unfortunate, but, but also like this is um, why you have the rapid testing. this is why, so you don't get two teams on a court. Uh, this is why high school sports can't be played right now because they don't have that information. And um, that, that but, that, is, but that's they,
0: part of it. The ACC isn't doing the rapid testing. They're doing three PCR tests a week, and the Big Ten is doing six day daily antigens. Um, that's different. There's different protocols that are being enforced right now. and, that, and that's what causes this. That's why you know if, if if they're doing three times a week and they got last got tested on on Sunday, say, and they didn't test again until Tuesday or Wednesday, midweek, well, that's a problem if you've got a game that's scheduled for Wednesday night.
2: So I got a, a random thought. Here's something I was thinking about last night when, when all that news broke. With a nine fifteen start, couldn't Michigan State have just left sometime today? It's a, like, you, like you mentioned in, in, your, in your column, Chris, it's a one-hour, one-minute flight. It's not, uh, it, it doesn't feel like it would have been that much of an inconvenience.
0: Sure, to... but you also have to plan for weather. You have to plan for cancellations. You have to plan for problems with air travel. I mean, there's, you know the teams don't travel day off. Unless it's a bus trip, and well, even well, then well, they try well, they travel the day early.
2: Yeah, I guess the thing I'm just thinking about it's a thing where you know obviously in this time of COVID, and maybe Virginia wasn't able to get their test done in a, in a timely manner the day before for whatever for whatever. I'm, I'm speaking hypothetically about that part.
0: Yeah. I mean, well, you're still also you're also talking about six eight six nine. You know, tall guys whose legs are on an airplane that need to. You know, we you or I can deal with that, Phil. Maybe not Graham. Graham Graham understands the, the, the taller frame, maybe, maybe the smaller torso, but still the taller frame. Um, you know, that, that, that's troublesome. I mean, you, you get, I mean, when you travel, grammar I mean, would you be able to go and play a basketball game and you're not even, you're not obviously, you're, you're no, just out of your athletic prime. I'm sorry. They're
1: going to need to look at that too. I think, you know, maybe, I, I guess in the big 10 it would be different with the, the regular, again, this is why there was some thought of only doing conference schedules. Like, why are you trying to do out of conference? So like, that's exactly right. So, I, I mean, I, you know, you can say it's it's on the ACC, but it's also on the Big Ten, and everybody else agreed to this stuff. And it's also on a, a culture that forever has needed to be there a day early. The MLS, those guys are all traveling day of this year. I mean, it's a weird year. Um, you know, I, I covered enough JUCO basketball. I remember watching Malcolm X Community College, uh, you know, throw down its bag and Burger King wrappers and jump on the court and play Highland and play well. Like, you know, it, it is the, the more you get away from it, the more you get used to that lifestyle, the more you need it, but you don't need it. And, and, and maybe that's something that in these sort of circumstances, you, you have to start looking at It's, it's an unfortunate situation. I don't think it's the last situation that it'll be canceled. And, you know, it, it's um, but it's also the, the system working and the idea that nobody, that you don't get on the court with somebody who hasn't uh, unknowingly is, is positive And, and, and you spread between teams, which you take back to your community and your, in your organizations and and so that's in that sense it worked the timing the timing was unfortunate and um you know i don't think for michigan state it's a bad deal overall it sucks for the i do
0: i think it's a bad deal overall i mean you're talking about a cash strap uh organization right now at michigan state that just spent money on a trip a chartered flight and has to eat it without any residuals no tv revenue coming back on that or anything i mean there is a lot there's a lot that's wrong with this. You know when this wouldn't have been a problem if this was Notre Dame and they were on a bus trip. If you scheduled regionally. But the problem is, the money is playing the big big dollar games, playing, playing the the high profile games. Michigan State, Kentucky, Michigan State, Duke, Michigan State, Virginia, top 10 opponents, Gonzaga, Baylor for instance. You know, I mean, that's I mean, you could say all you want that, yeah, sure, the testing protocols worked and these guys didn't get on the court together, but there's a lot more that goes on to the, to this just simply beyond that. I mean, especially with, with these athletic departments right now that that are operating on shoestring budgets.
1: So I'll say But what I meant in terms of a basketball standpoint, they've got some guys banged up. They played a lot last week. They can use the practice time. I'm not saying that basketball wise it's the worst case. And athletic department-wise, I get it. No, the finances of all this. This is why the Ohio State discussion of football is happening. People need – that's why we're doing all this. We're doing it for the money anyway. The ethics of it, be damned, uh, because this is just football and basketball. And I think my big problem with a lot of this stuff right now, and this is my own thing, I, I, my outrage level is just very low because based on what everybody else is going, I mean, going through in this world, the idea that these games couldn't be played, I, I just don't care. I just don't. I mean, I I want the game because I love college hoops. Or once it doesn't happen, or once something, you know, at the NFL when they can't, when they're, you know, I I just, to me when Michigan, Ohio State, it stinks that game's not being played. Um, But, you know, overall it's like, well, we're trying to play in the middle of a pandemic. So we get what we get. And, uh, you know, I think there are are bigger issues out there. and So I think that's for me, it's, it's been a weird year in that sense where I used to, Take something like this moment and think, boy, this, you know, and really be able to live in the, the, whatever the outrage of the moment for that specifically, I just can't, I can't find it in college sports right now. They've chosen to do this for financial reasons. They need the NCAA tournament to support all the stuff. And I get some of it, the financial reasons are not greed, it's survival. And so I'm I'm not against I've come to terms with whatever they're doing, but I just when it doesn't but, work, it doesn't work. It is what it is.
0: But is it is it survival or is it survival at the the current largesse that they've been used to for the past 40, 50 years? Well, That's a great question. Those are, those I mean, are deep listen. I mean, you're, you're you're talking about multi million dollar coaches. You're talking about million some dollar athletic directors. These these people are are making these decisions have a lot to lose, a, a lot of financial wherewithal and Outside of these colleges, outside of the one hundred and thirty or so major power football or division one a or whatever you want to call it power football conferences, outside of the three hundred and thirty college basketball, not many of them I mean not all of those make that kind of money. the bottom end don't but but where else are these people going to go to make that money I mean that that's financial wherewithal that they have the power to make these decisions as coaches and administrators. And as much as you can say that, yeah, the kids are getting opportunities and they're getting a chance to showcase and they're living their lifelong dreams. This is your this is your livelihood. This is your life and livelihood. If you have to start cutting, are you taking the salary cut or are you cutting another program?
1: No, and look, yeah, no, I, I get that. I'm just talking about this this game right now. And, and you're right. I mean, there are. Um there, there are, this if,
0: game's really a microcosm of everything that's going on right I we think. can have,
1: yeah, the ethical debate is, is fair to say look without this a lot of things a lot of athletes elsewhere who have put their lives into something can't continue um, it, it, maybe it's worth trying to do this um, and that, that that's a, that's a fair that's a fair take to have i just think when one game gets canceled and i think you're you're absolutely right on the timing like we, you, there's no excuse for this not to be done before people uh, get on an airplane Um, But beyond that, like, it's just this is going to be what it is. There are going to be three, four, five, six more games like this for Michigan State. Games, which stinks is because the Big Ten is amazing this year. right? This should be an unbelievable year of Big Ten hoops. And instead, we're going to so often be like, oh, Michigan State plays Illinois tomorrow. That's exciting. We're going to preview it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to be pumped to see those two teams play and what we love about college hoops. And then the game's not going to happen
0: how many times have i said over the last few months we can't write will play we have to say scheduled to play i mean that's a difference right now i mean you can't say will it's not it, it's not true and accurate because something like this can happen at any given day for any given program there were no signs of this coming into to tuesday otherwise i wouldn't have been in a car on the way to to charlottesville but this is how quickly it can change and that's how quickly Money can be lost um, both from television deals, both from travel and everything else that that comes along with that. I mean, you know, is it a drop in the bucket compared to some of the revenues? Yeah. But at this point in time, everything, everything matters. I mean, you know, everything matters to, to the athletic department. They're not they're not giving out printed stats to save money. That's that should tell you something right there.
2: Well, since we're talk- on the subject about COVID-19 athletic department, so I mean, let's just talk straight up about what's what's going on with the Big Ten football season right now. You know, we had the announcement earlier today that the Big Ten was uh, changing its rules, saying you had to play seven games to qualify for the Big Ten championship. They have now switched that to six, that which in turn would give Ohio State uh, its shot in the Big Ten championship game against Northwestern instead of Indiana, who has already met the requirements to play. And that was a whole, whole blue yesterday and i'm sure it will be again today and then we just had indiana and purdue football the old oak Bucky game that game has been has now been canceled that, that announcements kind of come within the past hour or so so you know let's talk about this ohio state indiana thing i mean personally for me i i think the big 10 did the right thing in changing in, in changing its rule and allowing ohio state to play i mean ohio state been indiana i mean that's really the kind of the, the be-all, end-all, at least for me, and two of Ohio State's three games that got canceled were not on their end. It was on Michigan and on Maryland. And now, you know, obviously Indiana fans are very upset about all that. You know, they want their chance to play in the, the title game. But again, as I said, they lost to Ohio State. They had their chance. So I guess I, I want to know where you guys kind of fall in that.
1: So, I, I mean, I think that they had no choice but to change the rule if they wanted a legitimate Big Ten champion. Like, it would have been helpful – if when, Ohio, when Wisconsin started missing games before they lost to Nebraska, if this was brought up, so you at least had, you know, a uh, historical reference to say, you know, we, we thought back then this could be a problem, we talked about it instead of just when it's Ohio State. Um, but if we're going to be worried about finances and things and getting Ohio State to the playoff matters, that's what they're concerned about. I think these are two separate things, though. One is short sighted and one is not. One is if you want – if Indiana and Northwestern play for the Big Ten title, that's not a legitimate Big Ten champion, and everybody knows it. And so you want legitimacy to your Big Ten champion. To getting to the playoff, the fact that this is such a big deal speaks to the ineptness of this particular college football playoff committee because as soon as the Michigan game was canceled, maybe even when that was happening, Iowa, if anybody has watched football for the last uh, you know, five weeks – even though they lost to Northwestern, Iowa is a better football team than Northwestern. That is a better resume win. Being the number two team playing Iowa in a game on December 19th is a better win than beating the hell out of Northwestern, which is what Ohio State will do. And like, so the idea that this had to happen for them to get to the playoff is short-sighted on a lot of accounts. It speaks to a playoff committee that you watch their Indiana ranking. I don't think the, these guys need to stop ranking teams, uh, these early okay. rankings. Because it is showing you, you, can't, you have no faith in what they're going to do. They either need an eighteen playoff because it's a hard year, or stop showing people your rankings because it shows you're not that bright. And to, to me, like that, that um, so that doesn't make any sense. But from the Big Ten's perspective, you want Indiana, or sorry, you want Ohio State in that championship game because you want legitimacy to your champion. And from college football's perspective, it's really up to them. If you do not put Ohio State in and they clean the clock out of Northwestern in this championship game, that's you do what you want, but you don't have a national championship either. This is back to the same crap when Michigan State was finishing second in the Big Ten and calling themselves national champions. You want to know that the best team won, and it may be a deserving team. It may be a team that beat Alabama and Clemson. It may be one of those teams. It may be a worthy team, but you won't know that you had the best team because you didn't put Ohio State in, and so that that's really up to them. Do they want what I would consider an asterisk or not on their college football championship and the Big Ten, I don't think it does. And that's why they did this.
0: To me, um, just kind of looking across the board here, I mean, with this football situation, with the ongoing stuff with basketball, it just makes me wonder what the summer's been like. What were, what were the discussions in the summer? How, how do you not have best and worst case scenarios planned out? I mean, you know, the football thing I can kind of understand a little bit because it was literally ramshackle. It was we're shutting down. And then it was, nope, just kidding, a month later. We're we're actually going to try this anyways uh, because testing and not because of money at all. Um, You know, know, there should have been best and worst case scenarios. There should have been multiple, multiple, multiple scenarios for these administrators, for these athletic directors, for these coaches um, that, you know, if X, then Y, if Y, then Z, if X and Y. Then a, you know, I mean, there should have been options that, that they, that these the brain trust came together, but instead it, it was drawing lines in the sand. I mean, that's where the sick game thing came from. Right. And you know, it, it, it's almost as if they spent all summer not doing anything. I mean, honestly, I mean, there's no organization for any of this. There's, I mean, the, the one time that you needed the most organization in college sports, Right. Um, and, and what it really does is expose the entire system, the, the Big Ten, the all the Com- power five conferences, the, the NCAA uh, across the board, that there's no organization. And, you know, what exactly is the role of the NCAA? I and mean, this is why we're starting to see a lot of these things that are coming out. If the NCAA doesn't have any governmental oversight of individual sports and rules and regulations of the, in this way, um, and they don't with football anyways. You know, that's, I think, why they're trying to come up with this college football governing body. I mean, this shows that that's needed. I mean, the, the NBA, the NHL, the MLB, uh, they can get through because they have consistent rules, right? Um, they have rules that are agreed upon beforehand. You know, even though the NBA maybe had to, to stop their season midstream, they spent that time working on creating a system that was equitable um, and safe To the point where they excluded teams and said, you don't have to come because we know that you're out of the playoffs. Right. Um, Where was that? Where was that brain trust in in higher education? That's a problem. That's a big problem. If you if you want to call yourself higher education, you should have these these academic leaders on the athletic side doing a little more than politicking and backbiting. All right. Well, I, what I
2: want to do now is now that we've kind of covered the Ohio State, uh, this footballness of it all, uh, I want to kind of uh, track back to basketball here a little bit. Uh, I think, you know, looking at the postponement of the Virginia game, I guess I want to know, do you guys think, well, two things here. One, do you guys think the game will actually get made up since they called it a postponement and not a cancellation? And two, how disappointed are you that we did kind of get did not get that Hauser, Hauser brother matchup that I think everyone was kind of anticipating uh, to later on Wednesday night?
1: yeah it's disappointing it would have been fun it would have been fun to see uh it was a good story it was uh it was a good interesting matchup for michigan state virginia doesn't play the most interesting style but it's uh, it was another style they were gonna have to face defensively it was a team that's hard to run against because they get back and yeah the hauser hauser thing was cool it, it may have gone well it may have been an epic battle it may have been a disaster like denzel valentine and anthony clemens when two high school teammates got together in 2013 from uh you know msu and iowa and then played the worst two college basketball games by individuals I've ever seen trying to one-up each other so uh, you know who knows when you get when there's that sort of individual pressure on you but it would have been fun and uh, it, it stinks there are a lot of things about this that that, that, that stink
0: yeah I'm in agreement with you on that um, and you know and that's not that's not me speaking from Ohio at all um, that's just is the basketball guy here I mean it was gonna be a good game and you know there's a reason why you know i was planning on making that trip is because it was going to be one of the more interesting games and maybe one of the last interesting games um because who knows what's going to happen next i mean it's you know it it, it had this had this come down tuesday you know was obviously would have been a much different story and i would have been speaking to you from somewhere in michigan instead of somewhere in ohio but um you know this is uh you know, from a basketball standpoint, I don't know if, if it gets made up. I know that's one of the things that you asked, Phil. I mean, you know, they're, both teams are open next week, I believe, um, but it's finals week for Michigan State. How do you how do you navigate that? I mean, that's, you know, I, I wrote about a lot of this. I mean, in terms of the – and Tom Izzo has talked about this. It's just the, the psychological effects that all of this is having on the kid. Now you had got the cancellation. But on top of that, you had you have schedules that are getting adjusted, sometimes hourly and on the fly. Um, there's no, that, that minimizes the structure that, that coaches like, and that, that athletes, especially student athletes who are trying to juggle all this need, um, you've got finals coming up and, you know, then think about some of these kids that, that let's say they do contract the virus and they have to go through finals. I mean, that's a lot. I mean, that's a lot to process as an adult. I can't imagine doing it as a 20 year old. Um, but you know, that's where we're at. Um, so if they make it up. Next week, maybe I don't know if they'll try and make it up later in the season. But you know, there's a reason why they think the Big Ten has those collapsible bye weeks in there, or those collapsible schedule um, to to adjust for some some things within the conference. But maybe they need to look at this. And and again, I still think that you know, it, it, if you listen to Mike Shoshevsky last night after the Duke game, um, he kind of went off on this. And it's like, what are we doing? We need to really think about stopping. I just saw. On Wednesday afternoon, the state principals in Pennsylvania sent a letter out to delay their winter sports, and those are the same people that were fighting like hell for football in the fall to be played. Um, It's uh, you know we're entering a different time again, and you know who knows what the heck's going to happen next? Who knows what's going to happen for Sunday's game against Oakland? You know, I mean that's that's literally how we're living. Everything's living in limbo right now.
1: Right, and every game has been affected. Eastern Michigan was missing a number of guys. Notre Dame had yeah. come on, you know, had a situation. Um, you know, everybody's had a situation. Detroit missed its first three games, so
2: except MSU until this. Yeah, Western I mean, and Western Michigan uh, missed uh, some games as well.
0: Yeah, obviously, yeah.
1: Tom Tom Izzo had his case um, right
0: before the season, but um, you know, all the players have been dressed. Uh, although David Smith wasn't dressed last game, but he was there, and and. and in sweats. So that's, that says he wasn't a situation with COVID, but, and, but here, here, here's, we're looking up in the stands, counting heads to say, are there 15 guys out there? You know, I mean, you know, that we're at football games trying to count out not only who's there, but how many are there and who's missing. It's, you know, it's, and and you can't be assumptive and because of a situation like that, if a guy's on the sideline, um, you know, it's not necessarily a COVID thing. So it, it's, it's, it's a different world right now that, that we're living in covering and for these guys and, and who are coaching and playing it. I mean, it, it's, it's really in a lot of ways, just flying by the seat of their pants. And I think that's, you know, coaches love structure. That's why I think that's where she is coming from here. That, that these kids need a little bit of a mental break because it's been one thing after another since March for them. I mean, remember these guys all had their season pulled out from under room last year. Like, how do you move forward now?
1: Yeah. Chesky screwed one thing up last night. And and that was that he did in-game, it after in game coaching. Oh. <laughs> well, he did it after a loss to Illinois. It looked like, so he looked like he looked like he was a whiny sourpuss. Is what he was, <laughs> and and so he loses some credibility with that because he Absolutely. would not have said that if they were four zero, or if he had a team that I saw a funny tweet today from somebody who was like, two more losses and he'll have another back surgery, and it'll be an assistant who picks up all the losses the rest of the year. But and that's sort of his rep, and so it's like, okay, you know, do this t- today you know, do the press conference yesterday, come back today with your own press conference separately and say, you know, this is what I'm thinking right now. It, it would just come off better. Um, but he's not wrong in the sense that it, it's something we'll have to see. They do have the benefit of time. Will they get to the point where the NCAA is willing to push back? Because it, won't, it It really, it's hard to do conference by conference because the NCAA tournament's right there. It's got to be the NCAA tournament. Will it be in April or May? And, and uh, you do have the benefit of time. And and there are huge benefits, I think, to having the NCAA tournament in May in terms of the uh, vaccine and and other things. And um,
0: but we don't know we don't know if it's going to get to the point where where you can legitimately say that college basketball players should get it.
1: Well, but if everybody it's available to everybody by May, say they should. You know, um, right? They can, they're not going to be. But this is again.
0: But this is again one of those scenarios where it best case worst case if you have to be planning multiple things to be happening there you can't just say well the vaccine's going to come in this no there there could be something else that that comes along i mean this is when you're dealing with the unknown you don't necessarily know what's coming obviously but you got to prepare okay let's say something is going to happen whatever it might be what could be the the worst possible scenario and how far back can we push things
1: you're right you don't you don't know what's going to be there and, and and if a college basketball player gets the vaccine college basketball teams do before every teacher and their families that's right i will not cover a rest i will not cover a game the rest of the season because that will be some bull and and so i i don't think we'll get there um, but the um i i am curious to see I, look we're going to make it through this college football season they plowed through Uh, And I'm curious to see, though, if if there do wind up being more voices like Krzyzewski and that winds up gaining some momentum. I I don't know. I'm
0: I'm not one at this point to speak in definitives. I I just am not. I mean, there's still a full month of of college football that's supposed to be ahead. And we've seen bowl games canceled weekly. Um, You know, we've seen and it's You know, what's still looming out there is the fact that the coaches convention was canceled months ago because they didn't feel that they could have it in person well everything's going to be moving inside for the winter uh, including a lot of a lot of these these playoff games and bowl games i mean it's, you know it, it's too it, it literally is a, a day by day week by week kind of thing to, to i think and you know if you listen to to the medical powers that be that uh, that you know december january february are, are going to be worse well how can you not say that how can how can you say that things are gonna be definitive yes that they're gonna make it through. Well they're trying to make it through. That's all they can do at this point. They're trying to. If they do still remains to be seen. I mean if you get Indiana and Purdue today called off. You had Michigan Ohio State called off. Um, you know we're we're at this part of the year and, and it's picking up. I mean I you know I, I just saw that there is a there was a, a Walmart uh, outside of State College, uh, a few miles away in DuBois, that had 50 Walmart employees test positive. That's community spread. So th- to think that that might not get back to State College, to think that that might those type of things aren't prevalent within a region and a cluster, um, you know, you have to understand that that's that's out of your control. That's out of these coaches' controls and administrators' controls. So something could very well come in and 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 force them to shut it down. But they are. I mean, you're right. They're plowing through. But are they going to make it through? I don't know.
2: So, Chris, earlier you mentioned about calling things scheduled instead of we'll play. So we'll use scheduled here at the moment. (laughs) So the Spartans are currently scheduled to play Oakland on Sunday at Breslin Center. And it'll be interesting to see what happens if that game takes place. You know, we're talking about an Oakland team that took Michigan to overtime earlier this season. And the Spartans' last two games, Detroit and Western Michigan, I think were especially Detroit, we're much closer than expected. And Western Michigan hung with the Spartans for probably 35 of the 40 minutes, maybe 33, 34 of the 40, of the 40 minutes. So, uh, I mean, are these just – is this just teams coming in and giving the Spartans their best shot, or is this something that we need to keep an eye on going forward, Graham?
3: No,
1: it, it's something to watch. First of all, Oakland's a pretty good team this year, I think, and uh, better than last year, certainly. And, um, you know, it, it, Duke is not as good, so like that win is no longer like quite as impressive as it was, although it still it was a, a decisive win. So, yeah, I mean, everything's something to watch and how they how they handle it. I, I think Oakland, more than Virginia, plays into Michigan State's preferred style, which isn't great for, for Oakland. But, yeah, Michigan State's got to show the ability to um, clamp down on teams that aren't – you know, they just showed it against Notre Dame. They showed it for that huge 42-18 stretch against Duke. But to, yep. to really put away and, 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 and just right from the tip-off uh, – you know, jump out in front of a, a mid-major club. We haven't seen that yet, and, and that—that's something. That, look, there are no fans in the stands. That makes a difference. But defensively, MSU from the jump, we haven't seen the. De- They—they've ramped it up at certain times, but we haven't seen that—that uh, that level they can reach much. And I think that's something to watch.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm not overly concerned uh, about that. Obviously, you've seen him put, you know, put in a, a finishing kick in those two games. Um, as tough as the Detroit game was. And, I mean, part of it, I do believe, is scouting. I mean, when you don't have a scouting report, you're just going out there blindly and trying to scout on the fly. So uh, so you see guys like A.J. Hogger playing a little bit more um, in that game and, and and just trying to feel out the players on the other side. But I think, I think the other thing is you're not going to see a schedule like that. You know, I mean, they, they played Saturday, Tuesday, Friday, Sunday that's, that's a lot of basketball in a short period of time, especially when you sandwich that trip to Duke in there. And I, I know, um, someone who really follows college basketball tells me that, that, uh, true road games are the most important games on a schedule. So, um, I don't, that, that person would never minimize uh, a true road game,
1: no, and a true no, road no. victory. This um, year, this year, though, this year, it's a little different. There's no, there's no crowd, but yeah, you're right. You're right. It's, those are important. Yeah.
0: But, um, you know, I, I, I'm not as concerned about that. And I think if you looked a little deeper, you saw some experimentation going on with Izzo trying to figure out which guys can do what and quick triggers and pulling some guys to, to send them to, to teach some lessons and uh, putting them back in and giving more, more time to rocket walks at the point guard um, less and less. Minutes. You're seeing some, some give and take right now that it's just kind of the normal flow. Uh, but you're right, Graham. I mean, the, the lack of energy, that's a, you know that's something that's real, and that's going to continue as long as these guys are going in and out of gyms without fans. I mean, that that would have been to me the interesting test at Virginia is there actually would have been people in the stands. It might have been just family and friends, but it, that they hadn't experienced that yet.
1: That that is absolutely true, and and in and, and Northwestern, I guess would be the first opportunity for that. And for them, they're lucky it's not. I mean, Northwestern is a Big Ten opponent, but probably the worst of the fourteen.
2: Yeah, we'll and we'll come to our predictions for Sunday's game against. Uh, Against Oakland later. I do think Christian, Chris, you talked about how they had that truncated schedule, and now we're going to have the stretch here where the Spartans have like three games in two weeks. So it'd be yeah, because Oakland Sunday they don't play again until the Sunday after that, which is Graham said yeah. Northwestern. Is that right? It yep.
0: is. There's a week between games. There's yep. they they play the 13th and then they play again the 20th. Yeah. Um, ag- again, assuming all things go off as planned and scheduled, exactly.
2: All right, well, let's uh, let's shift our discussion here to the Michigan State football team. I'm sure everyone remembers what happened this past weekend to uh, the Spartans in the 52-12 loss to Ohio State. I don't think anybody was that surprised perhaps by how that game ended up turning out, and they will travel to Penn State this weekend. And th- the Penn State is a team that the Spartans have kind of played pretty well traditionally, not uh, not counting what happened last year. But I think the big talking point heading into this week is who is going to be the QB? This is the second time we've kind of – had this had this hole of blue, and when we last talked about this, we all thought it'd be Peyton Thorne who would get the starting uh, starting spot against Northwestern, and ended up being Rocky Lombardi. But I I wonder if it's going to be Rocky Lombardi this time, Chris. If you were trying to parse the tea leaves, who's going to be under center for the first snap for the Spartans Saturday against Penn State?
0: I I you know you wonder if it, how much of it's going to be play def- dependent versus health dependent with this. I mean. You know that was a a pretty strong blow to the head that Rocky Lombardi took um, to the point where I won't spec I don't want to speculate um, the nature and severity of it without having it fully confirmed. but but still, anytime you see a head slam off a turf like that and the way that someone gets up and responds, um, you know medical staffs right now should be hearing on ultra side of caution on those situations in the middle of what we're dealing with outside of that. So, um, you know, there, it could be, there might not be a decision. It might just be simply Peyton Thorne is the best available quarterback. Um, But when it comes down to just nuts and bolts of how they've played um, you know, I think the proof was there um, against Ohio state. If you want to be an elite team um, you know, Rocky Lombardi basically got six drives, seven drives and, didn't, you know, six drives of three plays and one drive of four plays. Um, you know, that that's not going to cut it. You didn't get to midfield. I mean, you didn't get to midfield. And that's, you know, some of that's on special teams, but some of that's on the, the play. you got to be able to move the ball. Um, and then you got to be able to put it in the end zone. But, you know, you, you can't put it in the end zone if you aren't moving the ball. And that's one thing that Peyton Thorne, I thought, did. Um, you know, he completes 11 of, of his first passes, uh, you know, ran for a touchdown i mean the fact that that peyton thorne and tyler hunt are the two guys who have rushing touchdowns is a problem i mean it's a problem that's not quarterback related but it's a crazy state it it certainly affects the quarterback when you can't run the ball efficiently and effectively so um you know if it's me i go with with peyton thorne because you know it let's say that this is your last game um or next to last game whichever it might be or maybe Third, to last game, if if there are enough bowl games and slots, and and you feel comfortable playing, and nobody else does, um, that's that's where we're at. Right, yeah. We don't know. I mean, you can't say they're out of a bowl hunt because there is no bowl hunt. It's going to be whoever they want to put there. Right. So, um, I, I don't know. I, I, I'd still say yeah. that seeing all this, I'd say it's long. Right.
2: So here's the thing that I kind of think of think about too. There might maybe Mel Tucker's a thing where the quarterback or anybody doesn't lose their starting position due to an injury and. Uh, if Lombardi is healthy enough to play this week, if he gets cleared by the doctors, there's a chance, you know, Tucker and Jay Johnson may be like, well, you're not going to lose your job to injury. So you, you're our starting
1: quarterback Rocky. I
2: don't know if you get a sense of that. That's how he might operate or, or not.
1: Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Here's the thing. I think he lost his job before he got hurt and I don't know that he would have started that second half. And so that, I mean, I know coaches have that to me. It is you're in a situation now where I think they played it right the whole season. Uh, I think Rocky Lombardi, I'm not doubting that he won the job out of camp. He obviously played very well against Michigan, which didn't turn out to be a great Michigan team, but won a, 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 a,
2: a iconic game, game for game, him. you
1: know. So and then, um, you know, he had the horrible stretch, but then came back and did enough and had two, a couple of great passes and a he went against Northwestern enough to earn the start and then he was really awful again and really struggled against a great Ohio State team but I think at this point Peyton Thorne showed enough that you've got you know what you have in Rocky Lombardi and I I, I don't think it's enough to be a a good Big Ten team and I think you got to find out if you're doing Peyton Thorne.
0: Totally agree with you I mean you know it's not like you have a couple games now of game tape I mean you've got three starts in 2018 and all the backup experience the past two years and then you you take the what six six starts now um yeah i mean you know he didn't last the first half in two of those six games one by one by uh inability to move the team one by and it turned the ball over and won by uh, the injury, um, but also with that inability. I, I'm with you, Graham. I mean, you have to see. I mean, I, 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 it was funny. I was looking back when I was looking for some Penn State stuff, uh, thinking back to that 2016 season in the column that I wrote that you got to play Damian Terry in that last game of the year when there were 3-8 and eight going into State College to see what you have for the following year. Um, I think it's a similar situation now. You have to see. Uh, you know what you have with Rocky Lombardi now. I mean, I, he may have two years of eligibility left, um, but you, I, you there's the, the old saying about teaching an old dog new tricks. Is is sometimes sometimes there. You know, sometimes you just can't. You get to a point where you got to move on, and I I feel like at this point you got to see what's there for next year, if anything, yeah, with those is, other guys.
2: This is Lombardi's what fourth year on campus, right? So I mean, it seems like they have a pretty good idea what he is at this point.
0: Agreed totally agree with that
2: yeah okay so uh besides the quarterback position, is there anything else that you uh anything else you guys took away from Tucker's press conference yesterday that kind of kind of set out I don't think he threw the team under the bus again quite as bad as he, <laughs> as he has in, in previous press conferences Graham
1: no he wasn't you know look he's had some time to digest that that game and um, you know you, you can't be uh, you know just one tone all the time and uh yeah. I don't think he, he didn't he didn't shy away from what he said on on saturday at all and i think that's the way he feels and um you know one of the things he, he really stresses is he does think that when they do certain things right they're good enough to compete in certain games or at least be better than they were against ohio state and i think this is probably a game against penn state where he thinks they're good enough to be competitive if they do if they play well and that'll be the question penn state's playing a lot better the vegas line is up to like 14 and a half i mean I, that's a big number for a team that started 0-5. Yeah. But, uh, um, but still, it's – it's um, Penn State's playing better than MSU right now. So so I get that from some from, from, from perspective. But this is a game that they ought to be more competitive in and, and ought to be in if they're playing well. Yeah, and I think that's
0: the – I think that's maybe the one thing that you kind of understand or starting to understand a little bit about Mel Tucker is, you know, he's talking about being competitive in these games, but he doesn't want to be competitive in these games. He wants to win. And I think there's a there's a difference. You know, especially when you come from Alabama and Georgia's where where you're used to pummeling opponents that when they're down and stepping on their neck and you know, the talent gap is pretty evident that it's not there to do that. So you have to talk about being competitive in these games and trying to win that way with your with whatever gumption you got, um, until you the talent catches up to where you want it to be. Um I don't know. I mean, because I mean, let's let's face it. How many guys on this roster right now can you say are going to be in the NFL? I can think of Antoine Simmons. I think has played his way in there. Um, at at this point, maybe Shakur Brown,
1: and that's it. Yeah, no. And I would say, yeah, Xavier, I mean,
0: Xavier Henderson.
1: Yeah, because when I look at Ohio State and the idea that a number of guys on Michigan State would start for Ohio State, I don't know that Antoine Simmons would even. I think Shakur Brown probably Henderson. And Simmons really—he was, was—he was
0: an Ohio State commitment at one point.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll see whether he makes it in the NFL. He's a Great college player. Um, I'm not not as sold on that. Um, you know, I, I root for him because he's a, a great leader, a good guy, and I think that would be be fun fun to see. But um, yeah, you're right. It's just not a lot of not a lot of surefire NFL guys yet.
2: Yeah, and I think if I if I remember correctly, part of the reason Simmons left is – or not left, decommitted from Ohio State is because the, there were other linebackers in his class, and those guys were the guys who were supposed to start in that Ohio State game, but the one linebacker uh, ended up not playing because of COVID. But, yes, there was a lot of linebackers in that class. So it's just a, yeah. an interesting dichotomy there.
0: Yeah, that's recruiting. And, oh, yeah. by the way, next, next Wednesday, uh, a week from when we're recording, this is uh, early signing day. So yeah. – um fire up your fax machines now <laughs> and get get the ink ready
2: and we'll uh we'll have a podcast presumably before that probably monday or tuesday next week since there's no bad no midweek basketball game where we'll we'll get into the nitty-gritty of the recruiting class in the then the lead-up to that
0: bart scott can't wait
2: <laughs> exactly love that gif all right well unless you guys have anything else you want to add about michigan state or penn state let's we can move on to our predictions here so uh i'll start with you graham what do you think uh, is going to happen on Saturday. It sounds like you don't think you'll, Penn State's going to cover the spread. That's for sure.
1: It's a big. I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet Penn State. Um, I wouldn't bet MSU anymore either. If I were anybody, but um, yeah, I, I, I think. I think Michigan State will show up, and and it'll be you know I I would pick Penn State to win the football game, but I would think it would be inside of ten points if I had to, if I had to guess.
0: Yep, I'm hundred percent with you on that. I think Michigan State covers but doesn't win. Um, you know, I, I think the one thing Penn State—I mean, we we forget—they lost their their top running back to injury in the first game. They they lost Micah Parsons to sitting out and going to prepare for the draft. So, I mean, that's some talent that they they lost. So now they, you know, after five games of of fumbling around, they they've kind of figured some things out. But you know, it it is—it's still the Jekyll and Hyde situation with Michigan State. Is which team's going to show up? I mean. You know, is it going to be the team that showed up on the road at Michigan or the one that showed up at Iowa? I mean, I don't know. I mean, you don't have necessarily the same type of rivalry feel as you as you do for a Michigan game. But but there is that land grant trophy that's out there. So there's there is that
2: the greatest trophy ever created. So, you know, we were talking about the spread there. You know, Penn State was a 10 point favorite last week. Uh, against Rutgers, and I thought that line was super high, you know, because Penn State was just coming off their first win of the year, and Rutgers was coming off the OT game of swishing, but then Penn State ended up winning and covering that game. So that makes you think a little, a little bit. But then also Sean Clifford threw for a grand total of 133 yards last week. So it's not like uh, – Hugely
0: disappointing. It's not Hugely like, disappointing.
2: Not like he was lighting up the night sky or anything like that. So – uh I, I here's
0: a question before we jump on. Who's who's had the more disappointing season as a quarterback? Uh Sean Clifford or Tanner Morgan? Mm. I'm inclined to say
2: Sean Clifford, but I will I will take disagreements either way.
1: Yeah, I Nobody? I'm not
0: I'm not sure who I would say. I, I'd probably say Clifford.
1: Clifford by far, yeah. Okay. Far, Clifford, yeah.
2: Okay. Well at least we agree there. All right. And our last but not least, our prediction for the Sunday game for Michigan State basketball against Oakland. Obviously, we won't. There's no line on that yet because those usually don't come out until 24, 32 hours before the game starts. Graham.
1: Yeah, no. I, I mean, I I like Oakland's team. I think, uh, but I think they play into what Michigan State does. Um, uh, you know, MSU will be rested. I, I, I'm going to say that it's a somewhat competitive game for a while, like we've seen. I would, I would take MSU by, uh, you know. Fourteen to uh, eighteen points at the end,
0: Chris. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, here's the thing: is Campy really plays these games tough? And if you don't have the fans in the in, in Breslin, it, it can change some I I'd probably say in that you know twelve to fourteen point range as well, somewhere around what Graham said. I I think it'll be interesting to see as well. You know, because I do think it might have been a little bit different had Michigan State played. Wednesday um, against Virginia, uh, there there may have been a little bit of a gap, but there was still a lot of basketball, and I was like this, I think will help their legs a little bit to maybe get out and maybe even extend that to closer to twenty.
2: All right. Well, thank you guys for joining me this week. Uh, after the ad read, i will we will have our discussion with Nate Atkins, where we'll talk about uh, one of the one of many position areas that Ohio State exposed versus Michigan State. Thanks, guys. The holidays definitely add some unwanted stress. These days, everything is go, go, go. Nonstop hustle has taken over, and it's kind of a lot. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the cans or bottles even turn blue when chilled to perfection. Coors Light is brewed with a three-step cold process, cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged, so it's actually made to chill. As the games are getting hotter, reach for the mountain cold refreshment of a cold Coors Light. You can even have Coors delivered to your door. Go to get.coorslight.com and find local delivery options near you. So when you want to reset your busy life, reach for the beer that's made to chill, Coors Light. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I am joined now by Lansing State Journal sports storyteller Nate Atkins. Nate, how are you doing today?
3: Doing great. Fantastic. The weather's actually kind of nice today. I was shocked. Went outside and I was almost like sweating and all the stuff I bundle up in just preparing for it to be 25 degrees here and then it's not. Reminded me to be a good weekend for football, and they're not going to be at home anymore because they're done with that, and Big Ten season's very weird, but yeah. anyway, it was nice to have a little bit warmer of a day out there. Yeah,
2: I did a, I did a subway run before we started recording here, and uh, I had a, my winter jacket on and a uh, stocking cap, and then I got outside, I was like, well, I guess I didn't really need this. so
3: Yep. Yeah, you got too much to work with, and I have to scale it back. It's like the opposite of Michigan State yeah. offense.
2: But I did, wear, but I was wearing shorts and slides, so I guess I was. Oh. I guess maybe at the end of the day, I was doing okay.
3: <laughs> you had a nice mixture there, yeah. prepared for everything.
2: Exactly. Well, you were talking about games being played this weekend. Uh, there are two Big Ten games that will not be played this week: Ohio State, Michigan, and which is a pretty big game, and Indiana Purdue, the old Oaken Bucket. But uh, Michigan State's game as we are recording Wednesday afternoon, is still on for Saturday afternoon against Penn State. Um, before we talked about that, well, I don't even know how much we'll talk about that, honestly. I think what we're going to focus on is Michigan State's uh, 52-12 to loss to Ohio State. And, Nate, there are a few things that really grinded your gears regarding the Spartans in that game, uh, and that's specifically certain position groups where Michigan State might be lacking the firepower necessary to not even keep up with Ohio State, but just even present them with enough challenge. And we're going to go through three position groups here that you have highlighted. And I want let's start on the defensive side of the ball with the defensive end, Nate. Uh, what was it about Michigan State's defensive end play that left you left you wanting a little bit more from the Spartans?
3: Yeah, well, it's kind of connects the two points you were talking about. It's you think about Ohio State has played one game in three weeks. And that one team had to be poor Michigan State who kind of got the brunt of their (laughs) playoff case. And not only that, but honestly, the way that game went, this is some insane, but Michigan State was almost unfortunate that Ohio State had a backup center in who couldn't snap the ball because that turned this into the Justin Fields running game. And all season long, Ohio State has been telling him, don't run, don't run, don't run. Like they're bubble wrapping him in every possible way for the playoff. They know they can win and beat Michigan state without that. But on a day when the snaps were just off and they're on the ground, the plays were getting thrown out of whack. All of a sudden he's just taking off and running. And I just thought it exposed a few more things in Michigan state than, uh, than maybe we had seen and it was going to happen to whatever team they did that against Michigan state was kind of unlucky in that way. But yeah, just a matchup like that, it just Ohio state will expose any weakness you have and show you just how much of a weakness it is. And I think that actually is helpful for Michigan State as they're trying to kind of assess where they are and what they need to add in in recruiting. And so defensive end was one of those areas to me because what stood out to me is that it feels like Michigan State's either too green or, you know, not athletic enough at that position. They get stuck in between rock and a hard place all the time. So, for example, you know, we have been big Michael Fletcher fans on this podcast, at least I have I'm glad he's getting more snaps. That's how you work through these issues. But one of the issues in playing a redshirt freshman is that he's just trying to do everything he can to make a play on third and ten, and he ends up hitting a quarterback in the head. You know, That's yeah. the kind of desperation move, a guy playing too high, and all he had to do was bull rush a tight end there. But, again, this is hes a redshirt freshman. He was not supposed to be rushed into this situation where he's your dude, your pass rusher on third down. So I saw, like, just a couple plays after that. You know, Mel Tucker takes him off the field and is obviously upset with that. But, he, you know, it goes back to Jacob Panishuk, who is like the anti-Michael Fletcher. He's the, you know, he's an experienced player. He's a high-motor player. He knows what to do. But he's 6'3", and he's not in, you know, this SEC body who had offers out of Alabama. You know, nothing against him, but in that kind of defense, you're going to rush four guys, and one defensive end has to contain on Justin Fields. It can't be that defensive end either. So really what they've got to get to is a point where you know, they have these bodies that Mel Tucker wants, the guys with 6'6 six, six frames like Michael Fletcher, and he's just got to develop it to the point where they're not redshirt freshmen, where they have the mass built up to bull rush, and where they have the experience to know not to hit a guy in the head. And so I think when you look at his recruiting class, um, he is going after a couple of guys that are almost exactly that. Alex O'Killo and Tyson Watson are both 6'6 six, six defensive ends. Now, these are guys that are going to need time, though. They're, you, you don't want them on the field as freshmen either because they're not going to have the mass. I think one of these, I think it was O'Kilo, he's listed at 217 pounds. I mean, so he is basically a tall linebacker at this point yeah. that they're going to mold into a defensive end for the Big Ten. So it's going to take some time, but, but I think you can be encouraged to see kind of the, the, the traits they're after in the pipeline they're trying to create. But Watson does have some...
2: Some way to him. I think he's two sixty, two seventy. So yeah. he, he's Watson's kind of in that mold that you're ta- that you're talking that you're talking about.
3: Yeah. But there's still a big difference between being, you know, high school level strength to I'm gonna go up against big ten tackles level strength and um that that's just gonna take some time. I mean it could get snaps as freshman. It's just you know, by by this time in a year from now, you'd like to think Michael Fletcher, you know, has added a good ten, fifteen pounds of mass and uh, can play low enough to not hit a quarterback in the head on third down. Yeah. Well,
2: I mean, are there a couple examples of plays that that really kind of stick out to you? Because um, for those who may not know all that much about how the zone read works, especially out of shotgun, the defensive ends on either side of the ball, the left or right side, is your primary read and whether the quarterback is going to decide whether to give the ball to the running back or he's going to pull it and then basically run to that area where the defensive end is going. And the, it's whether, what the defensive end does when he makes that decision. So if a defensive end decides to crash hard down the line on the running back the quarterback is almost always going to pull it we're supposed to pull it you do see some situations where that doesn't happen so and if the quarterback and if the defensive end stays at home on a on a mesh handoff like that uh it's supposed to be a handoff to the running back are there were there any particular plays where you mentioned the snaps you know those snaps uh the snaps especially in the first drive for Ohio State were were not very good but they still marched down the field and scored a touchdown so that had to be kind of disheartening in, in some respect
3: yeah, it wasn't the zone read that I thought gave no. Michigan State problems. <laughs> they were, it was running off script there. I mean, it was like they weren't trying to run. They just the snap was bad, and Justin Fields was like, "Well, <laughs> this play is not going to go the way I want it to, so now I'm going to run." And that's where they were no man's land. I mean, you've got you've got a six three defensive end trying to hold, contain, hold on for dear life to the field where Justin Fields is going to go run, and see in an ideal situation what you would have done there is you don't leave him on an island. You would blitz like a, like a slot corner or something or an overload blitz that gives an extra layer of contain to that side of the field. You're not going to do that when you have to guard Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. So this is just a tough spot that every team that's going to face Justin Fields running is in. But I think it exposes a little bit more that you'd like to have something in between the super rangy freshman who's got the length but doesn't have the experience and the, the you know the, the game IQ – Versus that, you know, that that high motor defensive end that now you got to put him on the field and say contain against Justin Fields. I just think it was asking too much. But that's where their roster is. There is not an in between uh, between those guys. It's either Drew Beasley and Jacob Panishuk, who are smaller, you know, experienced players, or it's Michael Fletcher, who's got the traits you want, and he's just not, you know, not all the way there to handle that kind of a big moment. Well, so that's I, but that's where that's where Aquilo and Watson though. I mean, when you can create a pipeline to where, you know, those guys don't have to play every down as freshmen because now you've got uh, essentially a redshirt sophomore and Michael Fletcher, even though he'll count as a freshman. A year from now, it'll just be much better in that situation. It's just it's just too big of a moment for Michael Fletcher as much as I like him.
2: Right, and then truthfully, it's going to take a couple classes probably for Tucker to develop the. The players that he needs for that spot and you know both recruiting and developing once they get on campus
3: yeah and that that kind of thing stood out to me in a few different spots I mean the same thing goes for Angela Gross who's been quite impressive as a nickel corner in recent weeks up until last week and last week anyone's gonna have a hard time with Garrett Wilson out of the slot you're gonna have even a harder time when it's a freshman so when they get to the point where they're their athletic players are not freshmen. Same thing with Jordan Simmons, who's, you know, we've talked about that, where he's not really, you know, he hasn't, when he was on the field, he was not able to really read the the inside zone game. Yeah. You get to the point where those talented players are not your freshmen. That's when you have a better chance against Ohio right. State. You're not going to have as good of players. But as long as they're not freshmen, the ones you are counting on, you've got a chance.
2: Yeah, on that one Ohio State touchdown where Angelo Gross kind of got caught in no man's land, I kind of just chalked it up more to a good play design by Ohio State more than anything else, and finding that spot in the defense and just no matter what Gross did, he, there's no way he was going to get to it.
3: Yeah, I am trying to remember which play, which one was that? It was the touchdown. So was it touchdowns. was it
2: Wilson who caught it at the like the nine yard line on the out play, and then it was really early. It was either oh yeah, it was either yeah, the yeah, first yeah. or second touchdown.
3: Yeah, that was the 28-yarder to to uh, Garrett Wilson down the sideline. Yeah, pretty much that's where you get stuck in, in no man's land against Justin Fields because he scrambles out, and he's just waiting for you to choose one of the two receivers and throw the one you don't go to. And if you don't choose one, he'll just keep scrambling until you do. So so that's where Angelo grows. That, that, was, a, that was a flaw in the design because you've got to have more contain than that against Justin Fields, and they couldn't afford to do it. Exactly.
2: Well, let's move to the other side of the ball, and I'm going to switch up our outline here a little bit. I'm going to go talk about tight end first. Um, the tight end is, has really been an issue for the Spartans for you know most of the past three or four years now. And Matt Cyber had, had a few bright spots last year, but for the most part, it's been been a dead end for him. Whether it's uh, you know Matt Dotson, Trent Gillison this year, and and Tyler Hunt who <laughs> uh, who at least had one catch versus Ohio State on Sunday or on Saturday, and oddly enough, has one of, two, one of the Spartans' two rushing touchdowns on the year. Yeah. So it is uh, it's just crazy. Uh, how did you think Michigan State – maybe misused is not the right word, but why are Michigan State's tight end being so ineffective, especially against a team like Ohio State?
3: Yeah, it's a good question because I definitely don't think people thought they would struggle this much this season right you know Dott- because right Dotson's,
2: Dotson's a veteran guy and you know it's another yeah, year for you Gillison Dotson
3: right? coming back from injury and people were excited for Trent Gillison because he showed some you know some athletic flashes last year and that's his makeup and that's kind of what Mel Tucker will eventually go for that kind of mismatched tight end I think the biggest thing this is where the loss of of non-conference spring, all that stuff that really hurts a guy like Trenton Gillison, and it hurts a player coming back from injury and and Dodson and tight ends are very like one of the toughest positions mentally to get a grasp on because you have to know all the protections, you've got to know the run plays and the pass plays. There's just so much to kind of grasp there that I just don't think Trenton Gillison is grasping right now. He's not playing as much as they like to. Dodson's missed with COVID. And you're to the point where Tyler Hunt's the one you can trust just to kind of handle the mental load of that. And so I give him a lot of credit because, I mean, it's not a guy you would expect to be in that position right now, and he's just trying to hold it together. But it's Trent Gillison that they've that just has been an unfortunate disappointment. Not just in you know in getting the playbook down, but you know he has not settled into zone coverage the way that they want or the way they need to. Um, uh, He slipped on some routes. He just doesn't, it just doesn't seem to be there for him this season. And without that, they just don't have uh, the athletic kind of play that they want underneath. They don't have the depth either when dots out. And it's a problem because we've talked about the, you know, the one, one pure, I guess, strength of this offense was Jalen Naylor flying down the field. and, you know, when teams like Ohio State they see that on film and they adjust to it and they put a safety over there, their one high safety over him, they're saying, We're just taking that away. What you'd like to at least see is a tight end you know on a crosser underneath or settling into a zone. And they just don't have that intermediate game at all right now. So it's all just either Jalen Naylor's gonna blow past a cornerback or they just don't have a passing game of any kind unless they can get G- Gene Reed on a rub route. So the, la- the lack of a tight end, I think, has just crushed them because they're stuck in either – they either hit the home run ball or they're just trying to not turn the ball over.
2: Yeah, I sort of undersold Tyler Hunter a little bit against Ohio State. He had four catches for 24 yards Saturday, and Matt Dotson had one for nine. Now you were talking about uh, Trent Gillison and his contributions this year. He has played in four games – um, start, he started three of those, know enough, but all he has is five catches for forty-nine yards and no touchdowns this season. So, like you said, I think people were high on him yeah. coming into the year, and he just has not that has not played out that way at all.
3: No, and when I mean what you brought up with Hunt is exactly the problem. I mean, he's their leading receiver at tight end, and that guy was playing punter before this season. <laughs> yeah, I mean that is not. I get. Again, I get him all. And the he's credit.
2: and he's listed on the roster as a wide receiver, which is even more hilarious.
3: Yeah. He's a Look, he's a fun player, and a, he's he's working his tail off to fill a role that, you know, is really hard to do in a pandemic, but that obviously is not a plan to work against Ohio State or any reasonably good defense, and even Northwestern it wasn't going to work against. They just were able to hit that throw to Jalen Naylor against a backup corner and um, caught him in a bad position, but when Ohio State decided they're just going to put their safety over Jalen Naylor, they're just... There's no Plan B. There's no secondary pitch in this offense, and that's that's what gets really exposed. Yeah, Uh, I I,
2: I might as well write off everyone else's stats. Tyler Hunt has seven catches for 61 yards on the season, and Matt Dotson six for 59. And Hunt's only played in four games. Dotson's played in three games. So you know you have injuries. You have you know possible demotions playing all playing factors in that in terms of what they are and aren't getting from the tight end position.
3: So why they're recruiting it as heavily as they are right now? Yeah, and they're going yeah. after these mismatch-type big bodies, and it's way more than wide receiver. They don't even have a receiver in this class. They think no. they've got the receivers. They've got to get the tight ends going, though.
2: Yeah, speaking of I – I talked about the receiver, about not having a receiver in this class, and a story I wrote today about the players that Michigan State's targeting to round out their 2021 recruiting class. So you guys should go read that on lsj.com. Thank you for
3: – Thank you for that segue, Nate. It's going to be a big week. <laughs> Lean up to signing day, that's I mean that's their season at this point, right? I yeah, mean, I mean, so I mean,
2: we've talked about this before. I, I think the biggest news is going to come in the tr- from the transfer portal and the transfer market, especially with, with the position we're going to talk about next. But uh, I mean, I mentioned I, in that story, I talked about a couple four star guys that Michigan State's in the mix for. One is a linebacker and one is a running back. So that's not really uh, filling in the uh, <clears throat> excuse me filling in the the spots here that that we're talking about here. But uh, let's move on to the third. No, but I think they've
3: got some guys that, that, I mean, you could probably talk to that, but they've got multiple tight ends and defensive ends, you know, who are the size and athleticism that they're looking for. They've just – it's where it's going to take time because, like we said, it's the same thing with – if it's hard to play a freshman defensive end, playing a freshman tight end, that's really, really difficult. And so they've got to get more out of Trenton Gillison at least next year. Maybe this is just a lost year with – where it is they've got to get something out of that because the freshmen aren't going to get it done right out of the gates either. All right, well, let's
2: move on to quarterback. And this is what the position that you kind of hit on in your, in your Sunday piece. And, it's kind of funny you got you got some pushback on social media a little bit being like oh just go get a Justin Fields type he, or just go get Justin Fields and that's all all you gotta do and that's not really what the point of your story was you know Michael Penix is not a Justin Fields type but I right. found him and and there are different levels of this point. conversation yeah, exactly <laughs> but uh yeah I mean Rocky Lombardi that was not that was a, not a great performance when he was in and then of course he unfortunately left the game due to a, a head injury that brought in Peyton Thorne and Thorne looked Looked okay. You know, he completed his first, what, 13 passes, something like that, 13 or 14 14 passes in the game, and he finished 16 of 25. So, um, if I were a betting man, I would say Thorne will be the guy who starts on Saturday against Penn State. But what was it about the quarterback play this past week that has you scratching your head?
3: I mean... (laughs) It's partly about them, but it's it's just as much about Justin Fields and just the massive gulf that formed there. And look, Justin Fields and Ohio State—they have that lead on just about every team they play until the, maybe when they match up against Clemson. But it it really exposed what they don't have in a dynamic quarterback at Michigan State. I mean, you've got a guy in Rocky Lombardi who's who's hit some nice fade routes in the that's keyed their upsets. That's nice. He had some draw plays against Northwestern, caught them in bad defense. That's nice. There's not much foundation to how they're playing at quarterback right now though. I mean, it's if your identity is I'm going to hit fade routes down the field and you have one fade route runner, it's just <laughs> yeah. not going to yeah. work. You don't I have mean, you don't have seven guys doing it. Yeah, I mean, it's already a low percentage play. The way you can make it a higher percentage play is to really work play action, but they can't run the ball, you know, well enough to do that in order they feel like they have the offensive line to play within that structure. I mean, they're almost using their, their fades have been effective as a shock play. Like, there's, right, let me, can I,
2: can I ask you a question here, Nate? Yeah. I mean, you're calling them fades. Like to me, they're just essentially go routes that they're, that they're hitting. What yeah. do you, what do you view as the difference between, between that? Or are you, do you well, just guess, call go routes? fades? No, I
3: mean, I guess the one difference is they use the fade element almost more as like a, on a shock play. So against Michigan, when they, that touchdown, th- they threw to Ricky white, early in the game that came off like a 30 yard run from Jordan Simmons, where they just sprinted up to the line. And um, I just use fade to make it a little more quicker developing than, than the go routes. Sure. Um, it's, it's a little easier on their offensive line right now. Um, I mean, yeah. If they had better tackles, it'd be a little easier to do this too. Cause you could do a little bit more with the double moves. And um, but right now it's, it's only really effective when they catch a defense without guys ready in position at safety. And they are able to kind of just, almost get defensive ends on their heels not jumping a snap count in order to hit those plays, and that's not foundational. I mean, that cannot be – you know, when I talk about foundation, I talk about bread-and-butter plays. It's like when you are in third and seven, what are you going to go to right now that's like, this is what we trust the most to convert, and it can't be that play. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, and it, that's and it can't be a
2: going. handoff to the running back, which they do quite a bit too.
3: Yeah, they do that. Be, and, again, that's they're not sure what to go to right now. That's the hard part. Like you look at, you know, and, and, and yeah, it's not about go get a Justin Fields. It's um, I've used try to use Michael Penix as the example of like it's a reason why Indiana struck fear in Ohio State is that they had someone who could answer enough of Justin Fields to keep it a game. And all of a sudden, Justin Fields was pressing in that game and he's turning it over three times, which he never does. But he's in a shootout and you can you can create moments like that. I mean, what did Justin Fields have to fear against Michigan State? I mean when he bobbles a snap off the ball. Bobble just bo- go bo- run the ball on that 37 yards. Yeah, on that 13
2: play drive, I think I counted nine. Nine of those 13 snaps were not did not get to him cleanly and it was just like, well, this is just a minor inconvenience on the way to the end zone. It was just a yeah. a crazy first drive.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you just you, you don't feel like you have to hit all these big plays against Michigan State. So, it just all plays into it. Um they need a quarterback, a passing game in general that's going to strike some fear both in um, and getting up on a team, but also in answering that team and in engaging in a shootout. And you know, you look at, like I said, Rocky Lombardi. he's great, great vocal leader, and he's a he's a tough kid. Um, he he can move around a little bit, but without that, he didn't have the run game, the quarterback run game down, and he doesn't have any intermediate game whatsoever down. And there's just nothing else to go to beyond if they yeah. take out take away your top play. There's nothing else to go to. It's not just about him. But it ends up falling on his shoulders in the end. Yeah, one
2: decent running, one decent performance running the ball at quarterback in six games does not make does not make a running quarterback a success.
3: And Peyton Thorne's a better runner, to yep. be quite honest yep. with you. He's got a better feel for it. He knows when to take off. He knows the angles to go for. He can work the the zone read game better. You know what you lose there is you lose the one thing that has worked on occasion at least, which is the deep ball to Jalen Naylor. I just don't think he has the arm strength to do that right now. But that's they're they're just in a very tough spot at the moment without really anything foundational that's like, hey, we can go to this and and, and if you can build that one area, you can build everything else around yeah. it. Um they're just not there.
2: Yeah. So I mentioned this in the when I was talking to Graham and Chris earlier. Um, do you think so do you think there's a thing within Tucker and his coaching staff where a player doesn't lose his job due to injury. Let's say Lombardi is healthy. He left the game because he you know, had the head injury. I, I, believe that, I believe that's what it was. I don't know if they ever officially said what it was. Let's say he is healthy and ready to play this week. Do they play Lombardi, or is Peyton Thorne taking the snaps this weekend against Penn State? Uh,
3: what's tough about that one is that came that injury came at also the exact point when you thought if he wasn't hurt, they might have benched him. So it's hard to read too much into which one of those really caused that. If I, I think they could go either way. If I had to guess, you know, I think they'll probably give Peyton Thorne a shot because it's kind of like, why not? But yeah. it's, it's the same thing the last time we discussed this, is that they know the one thing they can develop, the one thing they're trying to market to recruits and build around and make deeper is the deep route and winning at wide receiver. And if you are not going to be able to throw down the field to – even showcase that to other wide receivers, then it makes it hard to, to really recruit to the level that they want to. So I think it's kind of a coin flip here. I I think in terms of, you know, Thorne probably gives them a little better chance to win right now, but you're trying to weigh, you know, winning one game against a bad Penn state team versus kind of building an identity in a, in a culture you're going to recruit to. So yeah, it's a tough decision. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, we yeah
2: we picked Thorn. We all predict that Thorn would start against Northwestern and not be in Lombardi. So I guess we will we will see what happens on Saturday afternoon. All right, well let's move on to our Big Ten picks. Uh, good news for me, bad news for you. I took the lead in our season predictions. Uh, I went with a I went with a uh, phenomenal three and two record last week, but that was somehow better than you, uh, who went two and three last week. And for the season, I am twenty three and thirteen, and Nate is twenty two and fourteen. So I'm a game up. Uh and we're just picking heads up. We've been awful this year. Let's be honest, Nate, in picking these and picking these Big Ten games.
3: <laughs> well I don't I don't want if there's any year to be awful, I'll accept it this year. Yeah. I'll allow it.
2: Yeah, I don't consider twenty three and thirteen to be a uh <laughs> it's something I'm not writing writing home about. All right, well let's move on to our picks here. Uh up first, Illinois at Northwestern.
3: Yeah, I mean you gotta go Northwestern. I mean it'd be <laughs> Big 10 just decided today hey, they're just going to go ahead with the Big 10 title game Northwestern and Ohio State and I mean Northwestern did get exposed in a lot of ways against Michigan State but you know I just think they're sound enough to to get this done. It's a decent rivalry game for them and they got it done last year and that even when they were 3 and 9 so I think they get past Illinois.
2: I agree. I got Northwestern as well. Minnesota
3: at Nebraska. I'm going to go with the Cornhuskers here. They seem to be getting a little something going, and they're, again, one of the teams that wanted to play so badly this year. And you've got Minnesota where everything's just unraveled for them, and they are, are either not playing games or they barely have enough guys to even field a team. And so until I see that there's more availability for Minnesota, I just think you have to you have to side with the Huskers.
2: Yeah, and Nebraska is coming off a nice win over Purdue last week. Um, despite all of that, and Minnesota's actually had players uh, who are have de- kind of decided to end their season, too, and declare for the draft. I think that's what, that's what Bateman did, right? Yep. Yep. So despite all, everything I just said here, I've taken Minnesota. So this will be a chance for, uh, for Nate to get that one game back and even things up heading into the final week of the season. Mm-hmm. Very exciting.
3: All right, Rutgers at Maryland. Yeah, I'm going to go with Maryland here. This is a total coin flip. I mean, Rutgers is... A scrappy team, but I think they've they've kind of leagues caught up to them a little bit. Their little razzle dazzle game, and uh, Maryland's due for a, a, a bounce back with Talia, and um, I think they find it this week.
2: All right, uh, I have Maryland as well. Wisconsin at Iowa.
3: Boy, I thought I thought Wisconsin was going to be a lot better than this this year. It might be just be a year that's not working out for them with the big delays. They look so had. they look so good in their first game too. They did. <laughs> It did, and they can't score now. They've got no offense, and if that's going to be the case, I'm going to side with the team with the you know, the very established run game and who's also playing great defense, and that's Iowa.
2: Yeah, I have Iowa as well. As I said last week, I, I love watching the Hawkeye, Hawkeyes play, and they're just kind of a fun team to watch, and I think they get it done here against Wisconsin. All right, last but not least,
3: Michigan State at Penn State. You know, I think this is a game that – Michigan State at least has a chance in. It's not Ohio State. I mean, Penn State's lost the kind of difference makers that separate them the most, which is Journey Brown at running back and Micah Parsons at linebacker. But you're kind of see them you're seeing them turn their season around a little bit. Um they're they're just finding ways to to play simply and run the ball and not force not create mistakes and then let their defense win games. And so um I'm gonna go with Penn State. I just think there's a little too much on defense for them, especially and defensive end Jason Alway, All- um, he's got arguably 4-3 speed, and that's something that I just don't think Penn- Michigan State's passing game is built to handle, and I think he'll end up being kind of the either the game wrecker or the difference maker at the end of the, kind of a low-scoring defensive game.
2: Yeah, Penn State started the year 0-5, and they've now won two consecutive games, and I think they're going to make it three and beat uh, the beat Spartans who are on the road. All right, any final thoughts before we check out of here, Nate?
3: Now it's just interesting that this is the last regular season game for Michigan State, but of course they'll they'll get that ninth game, however yeah, it comes.
2: I don't know. Um, I consider I consider that a regular season game. I don't know. It's just uh, it's just uh, everyone's playing. Yeah, uh, no, well, it's just COVID, the last,
3: so. yeah, the last we know of it. If they end up losing this, then what? I guess they'd probably get the. I guess I have to look at the standings to see what what they draw. They lo- draw a lower team though, so a game they can actually manageably yeah. win. Um, if they're able to win it, you know they probably get one of the more challenging teams. But was, if they can get one more win Con- this season, was, I think, Wisconsin maybe. Oh, then- that would not be good for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: well, with the with the Wisconsin game last year, uh, as I I tweeted about this on Saturday, one of the greatest moments of my life because that game came in under three hours, and that you never get that in a in a college football game. So, uh, someone tweeted at me is like. Sports writers always remember the games that go short or the ones that go super long with no in between. So, <laughs>
3: Exactly. I guess the one last thing I'd say about Michigan State is between Penn State and whatever lower-tier team they get in that ninth game, just compete and be in the game and make your guys feel like they're there and they're able to make some strides. I mean, you just you can't be getting demolished the way they were against Iowa and Ohio State and try and create the buy-in and the culture that Mel Tucker's looking for. So. Ohio State, that's a one-game mulligan at least against a team that really had it going that's on a different level, but you got to find a way to stay in these games at least a little bit the next two weeks.
2: Well said, Nate. All right, thank you for joining us for this edition of Spartan Speak, a production of the Lansing State Journal, Detroit Free Press, and the USA Today Network. If you enjoy this podcast and the work surrounding it, please consider subscribing. You can follow our coverage at lsj.com, freep.com, and on Twitter at Graham underscore couch, at Chris Solari, at Nate Atkins underscore at Phil underscore friend and uh, LSJ White. Thanks for listening.
1: Just going to run this
0: dog to see if we can
3: find any type of uh, human remains that are left.